Lead from the Side is made in partnership with Performance Leadership, a co-venture of Western Bulldogs and Victoria University. Hi, I'm Spencer Casimir, and this is Lead from the Side. Today's guest is Trent Olchin, former Major League Baseball player for the Los Angeles Dodgers and Arizona Diamondbacks, Olympic silver medalist representing Australia, and expert on high-performance sports. Post his playing career, Trent founded Legacy Sports, an elite wellness-first high-performance program that holistically develops the complete athlete both on and off the field whilst preparing them to embrace all that their careers and lives at the top of their game require. The Legacy Sports program has been designed by Trent and a team of world-class sports physiologists and psychologists, nutritionists, and wellness experts to help cut to the core of what it really takes to reach your true potential and continue to grow. Trent, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So your accent is clearly not American, but you're somewhere in America. That's right. So I'm in San Diego, California. Uh, obviously, I was born and raised in Sydney, but moved over here to play baseball at 17, and I've been here ever since. So when you moved over, what did baseball look like, and what was it like going into America as an Australian? So yeah, I played all sports growing up. I played the, the cricket, the rugby, swimming, track, and then as I got a little bit older, you know, I started to focus more so on baseball. I signed my first professional contract at 17 years old with the Minnesota Twins. And coming over to the U.S., I had no idea what I was getting into. I thought I was going straight to the big lights, to the big show in Minnesota, to the main stadium, Triple Decks. But instead, they said, all right, I got to Florida for spring training. And they said, all right, rookie, you're on field seven. Let's see what you got. And that's where my journey really did begin. So your anticipation was you were going to Minnesota. You were actually sent to Florida because that's their affiliate team, correct? Yeah, so that's where their minor league begins. That's spring training. So that's their complex there. And so the Minnesota Twins is obviously they run all the teams. You are paid by the Minnesota Twins. But as a 17-year-old, you're just not ready for the big dance just yet. So as much as I thought I was, I definitely wasn't. I had a lot to learn along the way. And that's where I did learn a lot of insights. And every year was overcoming adversity, whatever it was, whatever that challenge was. Um, each year was something different. And that's the way I sort of moved level to level at the time, then got traded to the Arizona Diamondbacks. And then that was my first call up to the major leagues in Arizona. What was that like when you got called up for the first time? Did you expect it to happen? What was going on at that point? So it took me about five or six years to make it, I think it was. And you never forget where you come from, that's for sure, especially through the lower levels of the minor leagues. It's not glamorous at all. Yes, you're getting paid to play baseball. Amazing as a 17, 18-year-old. But it's not what you see on TV. It's long bus rides. It's you know, you're, you're scrapping, you're, you're competing against the best on the planet. You know, there's all the best from Latin America, Japan, Australia, uh, across the US, obviously, through Europe. So now it really is a world game. So, you know, I had a big dream as I was younger. And I, it takes me back to everyone told me it can't be done. Everyone said play another sport, play cricket, play rugby. For some reason, I had the voice in my head like, no, no, I'm going to see this out. I'm prepared to run through walls, whatever it was, to make this happen. And then the call came and they said, Trent, you're getting called up to the Arizona. Your flight leaves tomorrow. It was pretty surreal. But that's how I base my life now. You know, I believe the only limitations in life are the ones we put on ourselves. You know, why not set some big dreams, big goals and go after them? A lot of people around the world would say that the name World Series is just American hubris. But from what you're saying, these are the best players in the entire world in one competition. Yeah, exactly. I mean, MLB has created the World Baseball Classic, which I think is great for the game. This February, they had Mike Trout facing off and Itani in the gold medal match. And that was incredible. That's great for baseball. I mean, that's USA versus Japan. It really was a World Cup for baseball. But I also think, as you said, I mean, MLB now, they scout the world for the best players. 
So it really is a World Series because each team, as much as the viewer might not know it, you do have four, five, six countries on each roster. I think it really is a world game now, and that's especially these kids who work within Australia when we bring them over here to California. Like This is what's ahead of you, to see what it's like at the pinnacle and how they close the gap and how you you know, you go all in on whatever you want to do. So that's why I'm trying to lead the charge and mentor. I had amazing people around me. I'm very lucky. And so now I feel like it's time to pass the torch onto the next generation as well. Coming from Australia, do you feel that you were well prepared for the differences in American culture? Do you feel that at the time you knew what you were getting into? The short answer to your question is absolutely not. I had no idea what I was getting into. I was lucky because I had been to America quite a few times before. My dad's American, so I understood the culture and cultures are pretty similar, especially California, everything else, uh, to what it is back home. But the bit that I was not prepared for at all was that half of my teammates were going to be speaking another language. We don't have Spanish class in Australia. You know, it's all Japanese, German and French as a kid. Uh, German wasn't going to help me where I was going, where the catcher and 50% of my team were speaking Spanish. So that's something in my mind that I just did not prepare for at all. But I was lucky enough on the Australian team. I played all over the world. In the off seasons, I went and played down in Venezuela, in Mexico. I had traveled a lot. Then now some of my closest friends that I still keep in touch with. In terms of this international identity, we talk about team cohesion. You know, I would think it's a great idea for people that are playing in the big leagues or in a very public venue to have their country of origin, the flag as part of the team. Is that something do you think that would cause less team cohesion or it would be a non-issue? I think that's a great idea. I think it'd be amazing. It would show how much Major League Baseball is a world game. I think it'd be cool to possibly wear your flag of origin on your sleeve or something like that, I think would be great for fans and kids, especially to see where all the different, their favorite players are from. I think that would be a good idea. I mean, right before the All-Star game, they have the World versus USA. And I was lucky enough to play in that as I was coming through. It was all the best prospects in the game in the minor leagues. And obviously, I was on the world team. And it was exactly that. You'd have your, your flag on your sleeve and we had the world versus, versus USA, which I guess it would be all mixed up. Well, you'd be familiar with that concept with state of origin and the NRL with rugby league. Yeah, I think that'd be great. I think Australia's got that down pat. I think when that happens, they play harder than they do the regular games. So they've done a really, really good job with that. So one thing I want to go back to is your pathway in. What is the biggest difference going into the minor straightaway as opposed to taking the NCAA college route for baseball? It's a funny question because both my parents are actually school teachers and I had a scholarship to go to Arkansas and we joke about this all the time. This is actually one of the foundations behind everything that I do now because I just had no idea the magnitude of college sports over here in the US. And if I had seen it firsthand, my decision would have been very different. You know, I signed for $57,000, I signed for the Inquidry, which in the big scheme of things is, is no money at all compared to a scholarship that I was getting paid to get a degree and everything else at a huge program, which would have looked after me arguably a lot better than those lower levels of minor league program. Uh, again, it all worked out. But now as I'm advising kids and families and everything else, my first thing is go to college, get a degree. You're going to progress a lot faster. You're going to be looked after. And then when you're good enough, you can get drafted still in year three, year four to then go into the pro system. And by then you're ready. You're used to living abroad. You know, it's tough being an Aussie. You leave your friends and family behind. A lot of the time you're doing it alone. There's lo lonely nights in hotel rooms and everything else. But obviously it's a lot easier when you have a support crew around you and you've got to keep on pursuing towards what you want to do. Want to develop your leadership potential this October? 
Join the Western Bulldogs and Victoria University for Performance Leadership, a two-day program offering unparalleled insight into leading in dynamic, high-performance environments. Places for the October 5th and 6th intake are limited, so prospective attendees are encouraged to visit education.westernbulldogs.com.au to register interest today. We talked about your career in the major leagues for Arizona Diamondbacks and with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I'd like to focus on your experiences there. What about that time brought you into creating legacy sports? Let's start with the baseball and talk about how that becomes legacy. Yeah, so I played professionally for 15 years. I won a silver medal in Athens. And as I was starting to get towards the end of my career again, I guess I'd unconsciously done this. You know, I was very active in the community of trying to continue to grow baseball, especially back in my hometown, Australia. Uh, I would always go back whenever I could to play and promote the ABL. Australian Baseball League. I was always active in the community. I always do camps and different things as I was coming back home. And then as it got towards the end of my career, I guess it just formed into what legacy is now. Of Like I said before, I had amazing mentors around me. I'd been where these kids dreamed to be, whether it be playing college, playing professionally or representing the country one day. And I just wanted to do all the pitfalls, everything else that I'd had to navigate through. I wanted to try to be a sounding board and a mentor for these kids coming through. And I believe, like you just said, that I didn't want to tell these kids what I used to do. I wanted to show them. I wanted to be in the trench with them. And I'm still an athlete. I, I call myself as well. I'm now into the endurance realm because I want to show these kids as I talk to them. I want to be active and pushing myself to new levels as I'm asking these kids to do the same thing as well. What are you doing in the endurance space? So during the COVID time, I, had, I was navigating through what's going to be next for me. I've been an athlete my whole life and I decided to go for a five kilometer run uh, one afternoon and I made maybe two or three cakes and I sat at the top of the hill like, come on, Trent, you're better than this. You know what I mean? You just played in the major leagues. You played professionally for 15 years. Let's go. Like sort of. I wanted to sort of kick myself a little bit. So from that point, not being able to run 5Ks, I said, well, what if you could run a marathon? Then I thought to myself, well, what if not only a marathon, what if I could run in the Boston Marathon one day, which is the pinnacle of, you know, endurance running and marathons. It's the number one, you know, they call it the, the six stars and Boston's right in the middle of that, the center stone. So that was my next goal. And I set off. And then within six months, I ran an ultra marathon. I ran from Bondi all the way to Manly Beach by myself. No idea what I'm doing. I said, hey, 80 kilometers couldn't be that hard. Um, so I set off and I was the number two time, all time to run sort of that trail. It's a beautiful trail along the water, everything else. Then from that, I got a phone call from um, Andy Reid, who's on the Bondi Rescue and he's in a bunch of TV shows in Sydney. He said, hey, I saw you run. Congratulations. I'm getting all the best ultra athletes together in Australia. I want you to join us. We're going to run 100 Ks from Bondi to Palm Beach. I said, Reedy, I just ran 80. My legs are pretty beat up. I have no idea what I was doing. He said, oh, you'll be fine. Just join us. Jump on a Zoom call tonight. So I jump on the Zoom call and two weeks later, there I was at the starting line. And 100 Ks later, uh, I ran that in 13 hours. And after that, I needed a little bit of a break. Then I qualified for Boston. And then I just actually ran the Boston Marathon a couple months ago. Congratulations on everything except saying the Boston Marathon is the big one. As a New York born and bred boy, I am offended by that. <laughs> New York is definitely right up there as well. So that'll be amazing one day to tackle that as well. But let's talk about being solo and alone in the U.S. and then finally going up to the Diamondbacks. You had acclimated to the precarity of the situation because you'd been in it for, you said, what, six years? 
Yep. So at the time, I had an amazing mentor who was my manager, Brett Butler. He played a long time in the big leagues. He was an outfielder and he really took me under his wing. And we were actually playing against the AAA team, the Iowa Cup. So we are playing in Iowa. And I remember, I'll never forget it, it was the ninth inning, ball went up and I sort of lost it in the lights and it sort of dropped in front of me and we lost the game. I think it was two to one. There's not a worse feeling in baseball than you've let your team down, you've made an error, it's decided the game. And so it's a lonely walk back there to the clubhouse. And as I walked through the doors, the manager said, hey, Ultra, I need to see you in my office. And there, everyone was in there, the pitching coach, the hitting coach, the manager, all the trainers. And his first thing is, Trent, what were you thinking on that ball? And I was like, you know, I'm not going to make an excuse. It won't happen again. He said, well, it better not because tomorrow night you're going to meet the team in Pittsburgh. You've been called up to the major leagues. And, you know, afterwards, we're still really good friends to this day. And he said that was one of the coolest parts of his coaching career was to call up someone like myself that had had a bit of a journey through the minor leagues. And uh, he was the one on the other side to let me know the news. The next morning, it's all happening in light speed, right? So we're on a flight, go straight to Pittsburgh, and I go in and it's immaculate, right? It's what you dream of the big leagues is going to be. I saw my jersey in the corner. It's all the big leather reclining seats. It's just amazing. It's the major leagues. So I put my uniform on as I'm going down the stairs into the stadium. As I'm walking down, I see the lineup card. And I quickly glance at the corner of my eye and I see that I'm batting seventh, playing left field. So, geez, I'm straight in the lineup. I'm throwing straight in the fire here at the gate, which, again, was the best thing for me because I didn't have any time to think. So I got a base hit in my first at-bat and I stole second, stole third. That was my first at-bat in the big leagues. In my third at-bat, I hit a home run to right field to tie the game. And I remember we won that game in extra innings. So everyone was super happy. We then got on a plane right away and we flew to Washington, played another home run to right field. So I had three home runs, my first four games. Within a week, I was hitting 500. I was sort of leading the team in hitting. I was supposed to just be a, uh, a fill-in for the next week or two, but I did so well and earned my spot on the team that they said, uh, we can't move Ulchin. They're going to burn the stadium down. So let's keep him and let's see what this kid's got. So again, I, I tell the kids, you, when you get an opportunity, you got to be ready and you got to take it when that door opens. Let's talk about the other side. When things were finishing up for you know Major League Baseball at the top, how quickly it goes down. What was that like? How were you feeling at that time? I think a lot of people struggle with that. The transition of what's next, I think, is a hard thing that a lot of athletes, especially at the top, that they deal with. My thing was just about having no regrets. I want to leave it all on the table and just empty the tank and give it everything I've got. And I really believe that I did that. Every day, you know, I speak to some of my teammates and friends now and oh, I just I really wish that like you, I stayed a little bit longer. Or I got to the field earlier. I don't have that feeling because I know that I did do that. And so that's sort of what I tell the kids now is wherever your career takes you, as long as you get to the end of that and when you hang your hat up or your cleats, whatever it is, you can leave with no regrets and know that you gave it everything you've got. So that's where I I was very proud of my career and it's easy for me to now move into the next phase of my life, which again, it's about passing the torch to these next kids coming through and I couldn't be prouder of what these kids are doing. And a lot of these kids I've known since they're 10, 11, 12 years old, hopefully can make it to their first major league game and we have major league all-stars and everything else that have come through legacy and everything else that we've been building is what it's all about now for me. So legacy. Seems pretty innovative, doing things on both the physiological and psychological side of things. How does that look in terms of leading athletes and teaching them to become leaders as well? It sort of stemmed from, I guess, when I was 21 years old, when I was in Athens at the Olympics. 
I had a sports psychologist that worked with a couple of different teams and he shared things with me that really did propel my career moving forward. And it was so simple, but yet I'd never heard it in that language before. So I know how mental the game of baseball is and all sports, honestly. At the top, it's the mindset that separates the best of the best. And I was just really intrigued by that. And I've constantly, uh, I still even want to learn and want to better myself. And as I'm learning all these different insights and different things throughout my entire career, I now feel I have a lot that I can share with that younger crew coming through. And a lot of that is leadership. It's about doing things right. It's about asking more from yourself than you would anyone else. You know, so many things there. And it's not only about being the best baseball player you can be. It's about being the best person, the best son, the best father, whatever it is that these kids want to do, whether one day they want to run a business, there's a way to do things. And that's not only on the baseball field, because I believe how you do one thing is how you do everything. Inevitably, these kids have to receive a tough conversation, and you've been through a few as well. How do you teach them to handle those situations? How do you approach it? And what do you recommend to them for how to receive it? Every personality is different, right? And part of this game is sort of figuring out what works best for each kid and family. You do have to be honest and you have to get to the truth of how do you get better? And that's what we train the kids a lot is what lens do you look at adversity? When I was 16 years old, I was told I'd never throw again because at the time, the surgery that I needed, I'd hurt my elbow and it was constantly sore. And in our country, in Australia, they just don't do the surgery. They might do it twice a year. Best surgeon in Sydney said, hey, you're a great athlete, play another sport. I was absolutely gutted. And luckily, I had parents that supported me and said, hey, Trent, we're going to get you fixed up. So I flew to the States, I flew to America, and they got it fixed up. And a year from that date, I signed my first professional contract. So adversity is built into this game of baseball. And that's what I tell the kids is, hey, it's a lens that you look at it. What's the silver lining here? One of the worst blows I could have been given was actually the best thing because I never missed any time when I was a pro. I got the surgery done so young that my arm was fine and I got it out of the way. A lot of guys, they get it done in their prime and then that's a year or two you miss and you might not get that spot back especially off the back of COVID, everything else, and getting going. And it was the perfect time to launch and just everything we were doing on the mental side, you know, how to just be the best versions of themselves. What techniques do you use when you have to have a tough chat, whether it's part of the staff or somebody who has joined? What do you do when you have to have that chat with somebody? It's always a tough one. But you know what? Deep down, a lot of these kids, a lot of these people know that they can be doing more. They know that maybe they've been cutting corners. They know what's coming. And I think that comes from building rapport, building trust. We're all like a big family is what we've tried to create. And it really is a team of the best of the best in their industry. And, you know, obviously I've been in baseball my whole life, but there's so much. We've got nutritionists, we have psychologists, we have UFC stars. I've never stepped into an octagon and they've never stopped in, into a, a batter's box in Dodger Stadium. But still, they understand how to control your emotions, how to slow your heart rate down when you need it. There's a light that I've always learned that I've tried to build my team around just the best in each of their, their arenas. And hey, what's the page I can take from their book and make myself better when all of a sudden it comes and maybe I do need to pinch hit in the ninth inning or I'm starting against a future Hall of Famer. You said the kids that you work with already know that they're doing the wrong thing. Let's just say that they're cutting corners and whatnot. When you're chatting with staff, which are leading kids, is it similar or is it different? Because you have a very unique position where you're leading leaders to build up the next generation. You have to be an example. You can't ask someone to do something you're already not doing yourself. I just found as I started to share my journey, 
I think when I opened that gate, things really opened up and changed and amazing people reached out to say, hey, I'm sort of struggling. I'm going through this. Like, what do you think? What are some insights that maybe you've learned that you can share with me that can help me? And these are adults. It's harder, obviously, if you have more programming, it's harder to reframe and harder to rewire. But of course, there's a way. If you're passionate and you want to change enough and you believe that that's part of what you want to do, then absolutely, you can do it. It's just harder the older we get, obviously. You know, there's a deeper programming. But uh, we've had great results with uh, parents as well as the whole families. I mean, with these kids, it's their support group, which is also mentoring the families around them as well. I want to take this in a direction where we really haven't gone in the show previously based on your experience, and that's men's mental health. What did you do to stay sane? And what did you also do to build up your community? And what does that look like now? I mean, it's hard at 17 to leave your friends and family behind. You think you're ready, but you're never ready for it, right? It really does make you appreciate what the people around you have done for you. So especially mom and dad at that age, right? You want to be on your own two feet. And then all of a sudden when you're given it, like, here you go, here's the keys. It's your time now. So I think it's a transition that all the kids, everyone, when they're making that jump, they're either going through professional sports or they're stepping into their college scholarship or whatever it is that they're doing if they're an athlete. I think there is a transitional period there. But I believe if you do have a goal and if you have a dream that you're chasing after, you never look back. Yeah, you'll go through the ups and downs. You will miss home. But you know that there is a time, hey, I'll be back in six, seven months. I'm on a mission. I've got blinders on. And honestly, man, I was obsessed at a young age. I really was. And I believe you need that to get to the top. You know, of course, there's different opinions on that because it's going to be hard. Of course it is. There's going to be adversity. It's going to be challenges. But if you want something bad enough, you'll find a way. I think I was so driven towards a goal that that's how at the beginning being away uh, was an easy jump for me. So with that said, if you were able to have any good leadership advice that you wish you knew sooner, what would it be? Oof, uh, I think there's a lot of great things there. I think number one is you have to be in control of your emotions before you can c- control your performance. And it takes a long time to master that. To be the best on the planet as a hitter, you're going to fail 70% of the time. A lot of professions, you don't get that leeway. But it teaches a lot about how to control your emotions, how to take a breath, how to be present. I think that's the biggest thing if I could pass on to somebody else. And I wish I knew that at a young age. It's just stay the course. Well said. On that note, you can follow Trent and Legacy Sport on Instagram and many other social platforms at Trent Olchin Official and Legacy Sport. Trent, thank you for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Spencer, thank you. Thanks for listening today, and thanks to our sponsors. More information about the show and our guests can be found in the show notes. You can follow the show on Twitter or LinkedIn at Lead from the Side, or myself on Twitter or LinkedIn at BallsOutPHD. If you want to contribute to the show, send us an email at leadfromtheside at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. See you next time, and remember to lead from the side.